This is the Fertility Hour, where couples learn how to improve their fertility naturally. Join Charlene Lincoln as she interviews leading experts in the fields of natural fertility, holistic medicine, and preconception care. Fertility Hour is where you'll find evidence-based strategies, tips, and resources to help you when trying to conceive. And now, here's Charlene Lincoln. Anyways, welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Hour. Today, I have Dr. Mark Sklar, the fertility expert. He's a natural fertility specialist leading a team of fertility experts whose mission is to help you believe in your fertility and empower your body to create a healthy pregnancy by supporting and coaching you during your journey to motherhood. In addition to his doctor of acupuncture and oriental medicine, Dr. Sklar trained at the Harvard Medical School, Mind Body Medical Institute. He is the creator of MarkSklar.com and ReproductiveWellness.com, the co-author of Secret to Conception, and a fellow of the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine and medical advisor for Natural Health International. Dr. Scar lives in San Diego with his wife and two sons. If you're ready to start a family, the fertility expert can help. He can help you get pregnant wherever you are through his virtual consultations and online programs. Sorry, I kind of flipped up that last part, but welcome. Welcome, Dr. Mark. Thanks so much for being here. No worries. It's a mouthful, so uh, it's, it's quite all right. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. Thank you so much. I am... Um, I found you through YouTube. You're quite active. You have wonderful videos and, um, you know, you have rabid fans on YouTube. They, it looks like they really appreciate the information you're putting out there. So, you know, very cool. Um, and you know, I wanted to reach out to you because I, I know you're helping a lot of people and you have a unique perspective being a doctor of oriental medicine and just being in this fertility game. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Thanks. I appreciate that. You know, I feel I'm always honored when uh, someone reaches out and wants to wants to interview me. Um, but also, I, you know, I have a lot of pride in, in the information we put out and um, the YouTube channel that we've got, you know, such a big following and and uh, really it's something that keeps me going and wanting to continue to put out more information and, and uh, motivate those couples from around the world um, who've been struggling because there's certainly a, a fair number of of them out there and, and we all need support. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, kind of our focus here at the fertility hour is to, I mean, obviously interview leading experts from around the world, um, but give really practical tips. So um, I love what you sent me. Um, Tell us a little bit about it. What, um, what you've created here to help couples. Yeah. So, you know, I created, and this was created quite a a bit of time ago, many years ago, um, the fertility wheel or or fertility balance wheel. Um, And this was something that I used to, uh, and and currently use to assess patients and allow patients to assess themselves. So it's a way for you to look at different sections or different categories of your health and your life and be able to assess them um, you know, hopefully in a very practical manner and then assign a score to each, to each category. And then at the end of that, you're, you know, tallying up the score mm-hmm. and seeing where you fall. 
and then knowing which areas you need to work on, right? If there's areas that um, are lower on that score, then you, you just certainly want to spend a little bit more time paying attention to that. So I created it and actually used it for quite some time. And then there was a little period of time where, you know, things happen in practice and you just forget about something and you start using something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but I found it so valuable that it, it came back to my attention and, and now it's something that we're incorporating quite a bit. And so, it, it's also helpful for us as we're designing a plan for patients because it also allows us to understand and prioritize where patients' needs are and where we need to start. Um, and, and, you know, there's always a myriad of things that you can do with a patient. And mm-hmm. many patients w- want, you know, they want to do everything and anything all at the same time. And oftentimes it's too much, right? You bombard mm-hmm. patients with too many things. Do um they they are overwhelmed? I actually just got an, uh, off a call right before this, where you know the patient was um she's doing all these wonderful things, um and she's so rigid and strict with herself that uh, she's losing another part of herself, right? Mm-hmm. And so this this wheel is really helpful because it allows us to just you know, reassess things. And so you can use it periodically just to check back in and understand Mm -hmm. where you are, um, but also know where to prioritize so that you're not trying to just do everything and anything um, and reading anything online and saying, oh, that's good for fertility. Okay. So we're just going to, let's, let's reach for that as well. So hopefully this gives some structure and guidelines um, and allows you to prioritize as a patient where you need to be and, and kind of where to start. So um, something that you said, um, you said that this woman um, has gotten, she's very, sounds very disciplined in what she's doing. And then there's rigidity and then losing another part of herself. What does that mean? Well, so in her strictness to follow my guidelines, which she's done beautifully and have seen, has seen some wonderful change. She has, um, She's stopped socializing. Mm-hmm. She's stopped going out with, uh, for dinner, going out for friends, just being out and living a you know, normal life. Mm-hmm. Um, she controls how she sees and interacts with her friends because she's concerned about breaking her diet um, or other things. And so she, her and her husband have just, everything's gotten so rigid and so strict. Mm-hmm. And, and what I communicated to her at that time, you know, was like, like, this is okay. And the diet that I proposed and that you were doing is, is an excellent diet, but it's not meant to be as strict as you are. It's impossible to maintain the strictness and the rigidity of, of the lifestyle and diet that she's currently doing for any extended period of time. We need to find flexibility for her. And so there's also value in straying from your diet right? Or staying straight from your lifestyle because it brings balance and it brings normalcy and it, you know, the, it brings socialization with her friends and family members. So there's a lot of things about that, that even though it's awesome, and if she could do it a hundred percent and still maintain the other things, I wouldn't be as worried about that. Right. But she can't and she's not. And so for that, that concerns me, right? So uh-huh. I never like to give up our life, for our fertility journey. I never liked to, she, like one of the things she says, like, I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm getting away from traveling because, you know, I have to take all my supplements and then diet and this and that. So like, I don't like to stop our lives, stop living 
just because we're trying to get pregnant. And she, in my mind, based on what she just told me, uh-huh. she's stopping. She's not living her life, right? Right. So I, I needed to coach her and guide her on bringing a little bit more balance and starting to restore some of that normalcy because we're humans. We, we thrive on social interaction. We want to see the world. She loves to travel. You know, we can't take away the things we love from our life. And so um, maybe for others, if those weren't important things for them, it, this wouldn't be as big of a deal, mm-hmm. but for her, it was. So she wasn't saying it was a problem. I was hearing it was a problem. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah I could see that being tricky because if you've been struggling with fertility for a long time and then you're put on a plan um, I mean, I, I can totally relate. You're like, no more social drinking. I need right. to kind of, you know, revamp my whole lifestyle in a sense. And so you feel like, okay, I need to pull back a little bit. And But but yeah, you lose some of the joy, right? And the spontaneity yeah. of life and the connection. And um, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of, you have to fine tune that for yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about, you know, when I was going through the the wheel, I mean, this is sort of a reality check from, I mean, this could be used for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just a fertility thing because this is how we live a balanced life. You talk yeah. you, all the different components and we'll talk about them. It's like, I mean, it was great for me to read through them. Okay. You know what, you know, asking myself different questions, how, how balanced are these aspects of my life? So that's wonderful. So let's go through the different components and, um, you know, talk about them as we as we touch on each. Sure. Was there a specific place you wanted to start? Cause there's, well, the, um, <laughs> well, there's the beginning there. I, 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 um, let's see. You're looking at, at the, the guidebook that goes with yeah. and yeah. I'm not, I'm just looking at the wheel. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Right. And, and for all intents and purposes, even though that guide does start, I think it starts in sleep or diet or something like that. Okay. Right. The reality is, is it doesn't matter where we start to assess ourselves. Sure right? As long as we know what we're assessing within each category. So we can start anywhere along that wheel. You know, for me, quite frankly, I would probably start with digestion because that's just my weakness. Mm-hmm. So I would always start there as a place to say, okay, I want to make sure that this is where it needs to be um, and decide where I go from there. And, and then digestion is go, everything. You know, yeah. And then I'd probably just go in some sort of order. I wouldn't jump okay. around. I'd probably just go around the wheel at that sure. point. Sure. You know, um, I love digestion. Let's start there. Yeah, I I think digestion is one. It's an interesting one to talk about also because it's not one that we think about or that I should say not one that patients think about when we talk about fertility. Mm -hmm. They're so used to uh, the way Western medicine um, works in terms of specialization. And I mean, we do too in in natural medicine. Everybody specializes now, especially if you live in the West. But, you know... um, we're so used to compartmentalizing our body based on specialty because when we need to see a doctor, we go to see the specialist based on that system that's wrong, right? So because of this, we don't really think too much about how our systems interact with one another. And it, you know, it's like the, the old song, right? Our, our, our hip bones connected to our leg bone, right? You know, all Mm -hmm. these things, just because, just because they're two different bones or two different systems doesn't mean that they're not connected in some fashion. And so for me, one might, might be because that's my, my weakness. So digestion is always a big thing that I talk about with patients, but two in Chinese medicine, the digestive system plays such a big role in almost any other system. And without it functioning properly at some point in time, 
some other system is going to be uh, harmed from it. Um, and it's going to be compromised. And so we have to make sure that our digestive system is functioning properly. I mean, just think of it just logically, right? If we're eating and we can't metabolize and digest all the food that we're, that we're eating, then we don't get all the nutrition from that food, mm -hmm. right? Let alone the type of food that we're trying to get nutrition from, right? But that falls into diet. But if we can't metabolize and assimilate the food and absorb the nutrients that are coming into us, we can't use that in, in other systems to create our baby. Let's just say in this case, we're talking about fertility. So we can't use that to support our ovaries or our sperm. We can't use that to create a healthy embryo. So digestion is really big. We also <clears throat> don't realize that um, the beginning of our, uh, the start or kind of strength and, and um, uh, finality, if you will, uh, I'm losing my word here, for our immune system really begins mm -hmm. in the gut, in, in the uh, small and large intestine. And so if we're trying, if we're having recurrent pregnancy loss, miscarriage issues, and potentially it's due to a, an autoimmune issue, then we're not addressing that autoimmune issue if we're not addressing diet. And so there's so many things that really need to be assessed here. One is like, do you have any digestive issues um, that are known? Two, if they're not known, then do you digest your food well? Do you have bloating? Do you have gas? Do you have loose stools? Do you have constipation? Um, do you eat regularly throughout the day? So these are just some general things that I ask patients about their digestive system and digestion so we can get just some general information, right? But if we have symptomology in those areas, then we dig deeper. And some of that digging deeper might be in question, might be in lab tests or both. Uh, one of the biggest digestive issues that I find that affects uh, almost all health issues, but for sure the endocrine system is candida. Mm -hmm. So, and I see this quite often, um, or other bacterial infections, parasites, whatnot. So oftentimes with, um, with patients, that's something that I dive into as well. Well, okay. I mean, absolutely. The more we learn about, like you said, that the immune system, there's actually like arms of the immune system that start in the gut, what would they say like 85% of the immune system is yeah. actually originating in the gut. So yeah. obviously it's so important. And I like what you said, um, conventional medicine, um, they tend to, you know, um, reduce women to sort of numbers, like what's the FSH, you know, right. what's the AMH levels and assessing them that way. But it's like, that's the big difference between, um, Chinese medicine, functional medicine is, okay, you're trying to have a baby, but we're looking at, it's still a holistic process. I mean, we're looking at the entire body and the system and how it's working together. Um, Absolutely. So, and, yeah. and can you give us, so um, most of us, let's say, need some digestive system support. You know, I think that's pretty fair to say. Sure. Um, what are some practical tips that you can give i mean i know in chinese medicine like even things like you don't drink like cold drinks with ice in them and you right. know that's a very american thing to do but like what are some like lifestyle things that you can give us that kind of supports our digestion on a daily basis i mean a couple of lifestyle things one is just make sure that you're you're eating regularly there's all you know and we're not going to get into every type of diet that's out there now because right. those are restrictive diets and some of those are fasting diets and there's a place for all of those but in general one one is to make sure that we're eating 
um, enough calories getting, getting our meals in during the day, which I often see with patients is not the case because everyone's stressed, everyone's working, everyone's busy. They're just trying to do what they can. Two is to, and this is a big one because I don't know if we polled everybody, you know, how many people would say, yeah, they, they eat through at their desk while they're working and, and whatnot. Right. But right. Like, or, or eating in the car on the way to work, taking time out of your day mm. to sit down and consciously sit and eat a meal stress-free is invaluable. So even if that time is literally five minutes, as long as that five minutes is not also while you're, you know, on a call, on a conference call at the same time as answering 10 emails and, you know, driving in the car or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you're not multitasking and uh, you are focused on your meal, um, I think that, that that's also very, very important. And then three, chew your food. Like mm-hmm. just chew your food. How many of us, we think we're chewing, right? But we're really not. We take one or two bites and we swallow. But our the first part of your digestive system begins right here in the mouth between the upper teeth and the lower teeth. And that's because we're biting and chewing and breaking down the food and the saliva that comes out that's also starting to release some enzymes to help break down the food. So that's essential as well. So if we can just incorporate those simple tips uh, into our our regular daily routine, Mm -hmm. we're improving our digestion a ton. Okay, cool. Let's, um, let's talk about sleep because sleep, I mean, I know you come across this too. Women have a hard time sleeping. The quality of sleep is really, I mean, I guess we process a lot at night. We're waking up at three, the 3 a.m. wake up or the difficulty falling asleep. And most, most men for some reason are like, they can be really stressed out and they're like, no problem. I just, head hits the pillow. So what, what's going on? Like, what are some yeah, I mean, I, and, and, and like from a Chinese med- medicine perspective too, cause I, I like the, I mean, a lot of women wake up in the middle of the night. Right. And yeah. so if you can give, you know, some, some connection between yeah, that. connection I mean, on that. Yeah. So the first thing to recognize is it's, it's easier for men to fall asleep than women, primarily because men, you know, we think differently. Uh, men think very linearly, linearly, and women think very circularly and, when that happens, there's a lot of ruminating, a lot of thought process that goes into each specific category or worry and analysis uh, that goes on. And so it's harder to turn off your brain in that sort of fashion. Um, then, so it's, you know, it's, it's more because we're, we're, we're different creatures in how we, and how our bodies function. Um, now, certainly I also think women will have diff, uh, um, easier and difficult uh, times um, sleeping at different times of their cycle based on their hormonal re- uh, shifts and, and regulation. So that's something to take into account. And oftentimes we're not really conscious of the fact that um, where we are in our cycle and how that's impacting our daily routine or our sleep in this case. So I think it's important to say, oh, it, my, my sleep is off. What could be different? You know, if we ask ourselves this important question, like, what is different right now? Did I eat something different? Did I do something different? What's the time in my cycle? Is that different, right? Like those are things that can help at least bring some clarity as to why these things are happening. Because if not, we're just left confused. And then we think there's something wrong with us, right? Whereas mm-hmm. like if we think there's these regular occurring fluctuations, then, oh no, okay, oh, oh, I'm ovulating. Oh, that makes sense. You know, 
Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I've got a little bit more energy. I'm warmer because progesterone started to take hold. Like these are all things that would make a little bit more logical sense. So I think it's important to ask ourselves that question. Um, I think the biggest thing in terms of why we don't sleep well is because we don't prioritize our sleep into our day. Everything else gets prioritized. And the thing that gets prioritized over sleep most is, oh, I've got, I've got to clean up the house and I've got to prepare for tomorrow. And there's all these things that I've got to do. And so, you know, it's that one or two hours before bedtime that turn to another two or three hours because you're trying to accomplish all these things as opposed to using that as time to actually wind down. Mm-hmm. We actually use that as time to say, okay, I'm going to turn off the switch and I'm going to wind down right now and I'm going to read a book or I'm going to meditate or I'm going to take a nice bath or shower, drink a little bit of tea, and I'm just going to get ready for bed, turn on some, some nice soft music. That sleep process would be much easier, but we've come to uh, um, our, our bedtime routine is, well, okay, I'm, so now this is my time to check in with my friends. So I'm going to surf Facebook mm-hmm. and then I'm going to check out the cool new video on YouTube. Uh, if it's mine, you're allowed to stay up. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but exactly that, like I'm going to check out the new video mm-hmm. and then I'm going to see what the news is, which is probably like the worst thing to do before right. bed, right? Because now you're getting all anxious because God knows what's happening in the world right now. Um, no you know, wonder we, we can't sleep. I know. Right. You know, so there's all these things that we do instead of actually trying to go to sleep. Yeah. And I think that's to our detriment, right? Now, if you're, as a little um, tool to help us get into that pattern of sleeping, if we're one of those who our mind just goes and we've got a lot of thoughts and everything's just ruminating and we're worrying, my recommendation is that about an hour before bed, you take out a pad of paper or a journal or whatever you want to call it. And you write, you go through your day. How was my day? What's going on? How did I feel during those times? Um, anything that I uh, that really worried me or bothered me about today? Write it down. Why did it worry me? Write it down. Anything that I need to remember for tomorrow? Oftentimes, before we're going to bed, we tell ourselves, "Okay, I got to remember this for tomorrow, so that I don't forget to do this." Mm-hmm. Right. Well, now yeah. you're asking your brain to stay awake. Oh, you got to remember to remember, to remind yourself to do this tomorrow morning. Instead, just write it down. Mm -hmm. Release that. Okay. These are the things I want to take care of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. All of this is that you've just cleared your head. Now you drink a cup, nice cup of tea, or you put on some nice soft music, close your eyes, close, turn off the lights and go to bed. You know? So I think if we just develop different routines for ourselves than what we currently do, we're going to have a much, we're going to have much more success going to sleep. Um, yeah, I love that. The journaling at night kind of reminds me of the artist's way, you know, you just, all the clutter. I mean, it was basically, I forget four pages that you had to kind of anything and everything that's just coming out of your thought processes. Um, you just get on paper, release that and, um, opens up creativity and and fertility, you know, just all the gunk that we accumulate during the day. Um, and, and so, yeah, because I'm always, you know, uh, you talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh my gosh, eight hours sleep. I, I don't remember the last time I got eight hours sleep. And you're like, wow, how do you, how do you function? You know, yeah. because then if you're not getting eight hours sleep, how are you sort of compensating um, drinking a lot of caffeine during the day? Right. Eating a lot of like some type of stimulant type food to keep yourself going. 
which is mostly yeah. sugar. And, and so that, um, that's problematic. So, um, yeah. And then our work suffers, everything else suffers, our relationships yeah. suffer. I mean, sleep is so important and it's the one thing that I think we, uh, neglect the most. Mm-hmm. Is there, um, like a natural sleep aid that you, um, recommend? Cause, um, people do that. And then sometimes they're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all the sleep hygiene rules and I'm still having a really hard time. Is there something that you recommend? I know it's not one size fits all. Yeah, but- it, it isn't, uh, which is where my mind was trying to, mm-hmm. trying to filter. Um, I don't like to use a lot of melatonin Mm-hmm. patients. Um, if I do, then I, uh, I do recommend the, the very low dose, like 0.3. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people are like 0.3, that's nothing. <laughs> it is nothing, but that's more typical and more in line with what your regular, uh, what your body regularly produces. And so um, if we're just giving it that little bit, it's, it's, it's not going to be as addicting um, yeah. and you're not going to be as reliant and dependent on it. Um, I do like just simple things like chamomile, sleepy time tea, just the teas that are just more relaxing and sedative. Like, um, I do, I, I do think that those are you know, very helpful, but even just a, you know, people used to drink a warm glass of milk, right? Like mm-hmm. I just say a warm glass of water, warm glass of tea. I, I mean, it just starts to relax and calm, calm the body. So those sorts of things are things that I like. I mean, we can use a little bit of, um, valerian if we needed to but you know again these are things you don't want to be dependent on Mm -hmm. yeah you want to okay i heard acupuncture helps acupuncture works wonderfully for it yeah 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 um and and i have seen my patients say they sleep awesome after treatments um and um usually that lasts and they say they kind of know when they have to come back when they're sleeping their sleep patterns start to go off a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so let's talk about the um another part of the wheel. So diet's a big one that everyone always, uh, you know, I talk about a lot. Um, People always have a lot of questions about, I mean, in general, we can spend hours on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to keep it simple is that we, we have to get away from processed foods. We have to get away from our reliance on sugar um, and uh, stimulants you know, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm telling you, you can't have a little bit of caffeine, but if you're having, you know, more than one cup of coffee or tea a day as a means to keep you going, that means you're reliant on it to keep going and you need that stimulant. So, um, that's something different. And so cleaning up our diet, just making sure we're eating whole foods, healthy foods, um, as organic as possible, um, as clean as possible, less processed foods. Um, and, and many of us rely on eating out all the time versus cooking. Mm. And if you could just find five meals that you like to cook, you know, or three meals you like to cook and three meals your husband likes to cook, like, as you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. And it, and it shows you, a, uh, gives you a bigger, deep, deeper appreciation for the quality of the food that you eat, how it's cooked, um, it, a better appreciation for the quality of food when you go out to restaurants uh, and what you're looking for. So really just cleaning up our diets overall. I mean, the, the, my issue with diets um, or diet category overall is, because, is, is that there's always a new diet. There's always a fad diet. And I'm, I'm not saying that some of them aren't good. I'm just saying that they're, it's not a one size fits all when it comes to diet. Mm-hmm. You know, we all are very, we're all unique and individuals. And 
we all require something a little bit different. I mean, unless you're an identical twin and you guys are exactly the same, you know, odds are that even those identical twins still need some tweaks and changes from one another with their diet. And so, um, you know, I always get these questions like, oh, what should I eat? What should I eat? These general questions in my email. I'm like, I don't know what's going on with you. So I can't tell you what to eat. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I would just say, just really focus on eating healthy, cleaning up your diet um, and, and cutting out the junk. And you know what that is. I mean, and if you don't do a diet journal for seven days, and don't, you know, and eat the way you normally eat, just write mm-hmm. down everything, document everything. And then with, with an um, introspective eyes, as if you were evaluating somebody else's diet, look at it and see what could be better. What can you improve? Now, again, like I said with this patient before, sometimes with some patients, I am pretty strict initially, but it's not about being 100% perfect. It's about being 80% perfect. Okay. Because um, when you say eat healthy, I mean, I could see why people need that defined because the definition of eating healthy, it's different. It's a moving target also, right? Because like five years ago, eating healthy was a lot of like whole grains and, you know, so it's like, okay, what does that exactly mean? I think summer's a really we're, you know, we're, we're in warmer weather, hopefully across the country. It's easy because you can eat like a clean protein and a lot of vegetables where in the winter, you know, you want to warm Harder. it up a little bit with yeah, like yeah, yeah. stews and soups. I recently got the in- instant pot and I was sort of intimidated by it, but I busted it out. It's a pressure cooker crock pot. It's pretty cool. And I hope I get a sponsorship for mentioning them. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, but um, you know, you can like, make like, I don't know, kind of like, I get like grass fed cuts of meat that are sort of maybe a little bit tougher and they just, right, yeah. and it just cooks it up in an hour. And there you go with a ton of veggies. And, you know, that seems like a really good combination for most people, a protein and vegetable don't get too complicated on the plate. Right. And yeah, keep it and, organic. And-, and that's for me, that's my basic plate is protein, veggies, fat, um, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of grains depending on who you are and depending on the type of grain. Right. Um, And I think if you can do that, I think that's the foundation for every good, healthy, basic meal. Right. Mm -hmm. Then at some point you want to spice it up and add some things to it, but you know, that's your, (laughs) that's your framework that you're working with then and then going from there. And And and, that's easy. And that's easy. It it should be easy. Now we all like carbs because we want to feel full, Mm-hmm. but that's exactly what they're doing. Like the bread's just filling you up. It's not, it's not giving you all the things that you really need. And so we're so used to feeling full as a means of <clears throat> having a good meal. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't constitute a good meal. Feeling full shouldn't, con- it, you should feel satiated. You should feel satisfied, but you shouldn't feel stuffed as a, as a means for constituting what a good meal is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to separate those things. We also come from a culture where we uh, reward and value um, being a little bit more overweight, slightly, slightly full, if you will. You know, Mm -hmm. and I say this because, you know, when I when I lost a lot of weight and when I was playing with my diet, you know, my mom always used to say to me, you look so sick. 
Mm-hmm. But I felt awesome. Yeah, right? they don't they don't like you gaunt it's, looking. They just don't like you yeah. thin. Yeah. They want you to feel they want you to look fuller, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we start to internalize them and be like, oh, okay, I need to eat more. It's what our parents tell us, right? But there's a disconnect going on there. There's a disconnect. And a lot of this comes from a, you know, at least from my parents, a, a generation where they didn't have enough. So mm-hmm. you always wanted to have more and holding on and, you know, oh, if you ate, if you look, if you looked fuller, it means you had enough food. And, you know, sure. so there's all these cultural things that go on that we get passed on by our parents yeah. that we just don't understand uh, generation, generationally. Um, and so what's okay now is not necessarily what was okay then. And we mm-hmm. have to also be accepting of that. Um, it- but also, um, it's kind of tricky because with women, like low, yeah. too low a BMI. Low, right. and, yeah. sorry, as I was saying it before, I was like, yeah, yeah. This, it's a little tricky. But, you know, too low or too high in BMI or mm-hmm. weight is, is an issue for sure. And I have plenty of patients who I'm saying, you need to eat more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get some fats <laughs> in there. Let's load up the fat. You right. Fat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was interviewing um, William Davis. He's the author of Wheat Belly, and he brought up a really good point about the whole gluten free craze. He said, you know, like people people feel like they're going to like, okay, well, I mean, I'm I'm eating gluten free, and then that sort of has sent us down this weird rabbit hole where we're eating a bunch of this gluten free kind of garbage in a sense because it's like okay it's gluten-free that's great that component's taken out but what are we adding in all these things tapioca flour rice flour that are spiking our blood sugar causing a lot of and i was like gosh i'm so guilty of that you know like i had to kind of retrain myself because like a couple years ago i'd be like gluten-free cookies i'm eating 10 you know (laughs) because somehow my mind made up that that was okay yeah, you know, the, I always tell my, my, uh, my patients that just because I'm asking you to be gluten-free, and I don't ask all my patients to be gluten-free, mm-hmm. although I think everybody thinks I do, um, those patients who I ask to be gluten-free, I said, this now doesn't give you a right to eat every packaged food that says it's gluten-free because they're full of crap, right? Yeah. They have all sorts of junk. Gluten-free doesn't mean now I'm going to replace my gluten with other packaged food. It just means that we're going to avoid gluten <laughs> and right. replace it with fat and veggies and fruit and, you know, protein. And, you know, these are the things that we're, we're not replacing with other junk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's very um, deceptive, you know, because you yeah. feel like you're going towards something healthy and it's like, oh, really? I didn't know all that stuff was in there. That's right. actually you know, tons of sugar and, and everything else. Yeah. But, um, all right. What's, what's the next section of the wheel? So we've covered digestion. We've covered sleep, diet, stress. Um, you know, stress is huge and it's not about it. I mean, if we can all get rid of stress, that's great. But mm-hmm. I think it's more about how we manage stress. Mm-hmm. What are we doing to, uh, accommodate for this sort of thing? We all have stress. I also would like to say that stress is just not emotional stress. It's physical stress. Stress comes in other uh, um, forms. And uh, we need to be aware of that and then understand what triggers us and then how are we going to manage that better, right? So for me, like I like to start my days slower 
That's mm-hmm. what makes the rest of my day more manageable. Mm, what does but that mean? I, you know, so if, if I've got to get up and I've got to make lunches for my kids, I've got to cook bre- breakfast mm-hmm. for my kids, I've got to run out the door and I've got to do this all in less than an hour, mm-hmm. that's rushing, right? That's my Yeah, so, super my, stressful. Uh-huh. Super stressful. And then I've got to figure out how I've got to come down from that stress mm-hmm. and manage things. So I like to start my day off just slow. Okay. Start the pot of water, make my coffee, slowly make breakfast, you know, and I like time. I like a little bit of time to get going in the morning. Okay. You're just getting up earlier. So you're not condensing it into that. So I'm not condensing it into that. Yeah. Sometimes it has to happen, but if I can prevent it, I try to prevent it. Sure. That's my, that's one of my main triggers. And if I could, Mm -hmm. if I could start my day differently, then it makes a huge impact on the rest of my day. Mm -hmm. So for others, it's, um, you know, dietary stress, it's physical stress. They're, they're, they use their bodies more in their work. So how mm-hmm. are we going to manage that? Or um, uh, they don't like to sit in rush hour traffic because that brings stress to them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about understanding what triggers your stress and then figuring out how to manage that or accommodate for that, right? So for me, I, I mean, no, I don't think anybody likes to sit in rush hour traffic, but if you got to do it and I have to do it one day a week, then I know what I'm going to do to manage that. Okay. One, I call home. My, my family lives on the East coast. So I mm-hmm. call home. I use that as a time to check in with my family so that mm-hmm. the time goes easier Two, I listen to a ton of books on, on audio. Mm-hmm. That helps so much. Yeah. It helps so much for me. So it's, there are certain things that even though they bring stress into our life, mm-hmm. we can't change that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I can make that better. I can manage that situation in a different way. And so uh, even if you have no other stress in your life, if you've just been on the fertility journey, your, your life is stressful, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it in and of itself is a stressful process. Yeah, exactly. How are we going to manage that better? Are we just going to continue to fly by the seat of our pants? What are the things that bring stress or anxiety to uh, to you based on that process? Is it because you don't have a plan? Is mm. it because you don't have someone who's guiding you? Is it because your partner is not supportive? Is yeah. it, what is it? Right. And then once you understand that, then it's about figuring out a way to make that improve that situation and make yeah. that more manageable. So that's more of like what I mean, what I mean by stress. Well, um, a couple things, like when you say you wake up earlier, um, I, I've been looking more at rituals. Like I was like, I need more rituals in my life, but those are wellness rituals. Even just giving yourself that extra hour in the morning, like what little yeah. rituals do I have during the day? Oh, I'm going to wake up earlier so I can just sit and have a cup of tea and just have my thoughts and it's quiet before everything starts or, Oh, I, I can't wait to sit in traffic so I can listen to that great book or podcast or whatever. Right. During that time, that's me time instead of like, oh, that terrible traffic. And then, um, you know, they were saying like um, dealing with fertility is like getting diagnosed with a chronic illness, like being yeah. told you have cancer. So um, obviously we don't have to tell people that they're like, oh, yeah, I, I yeah, I know it's stressful. But it really I mean, like, you know, give yourself um, just that space to know that, yeah, you're dealing with something that's, you know, monumental and you do need yeah. support around it. Um, and that's exactly you need support around it. So that research that you, that you cited was done, I think in like 2000 or mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's absolutely true, but I think most people don't realize that. And the, the, the stress of dealing with fertility issues is mm-hmm. as stressful as dealing with cancer or any other life-threatening illness. So we need support around that. Yeah. And so you need to get that support for yourself, for your partner, as a couple, as an individual. We don't, we don't honor ourselves in that way. The other thing I would say is when it comes to uh, fertility challenges, as I reverse it, is if, if, you had, if you were diagnosed with cancer or your loved one was diagnosed with cancer, you'd go get a second opinion, a potentially a third opinion, you know, maybe more, right? Mm-hmm. Most people don't do that with their fertility. Mm-hmm. They get diagnosed with infertility by their OBGYN, and then they get referred to the fertility clinic, the IVF clinic, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You, you're shortchanging yourself when you don't ask for a second opinion or a third opinion from somebody else, even if those opinions end up being the same, at least you confirmed everything, mm-hmm. right? So I also think that's, that's a, a thing that I see all too often that I don't like. Absolutely. Okay, I want to talk about that and then I'm going to pop back to, the, uh, to stress again just so I can remind myself to do that. But um, this is what I can't stand. And um, I think we talk a lot about this in different podcasts is that um, just like you said, the scenario and then women get, um, get sent to an IVF clinic. And the thing that I don't know if they always know this, but they're getting evaluated if they're a good candidate for IVF, not if they're a good candidate to be a parent or fertile naturally it's like no you don't fit our narrow criteria you're not going to make our numbers look good at the end of the year that does not mean there are so many women who were not good candidates for IVF who I mean we're human beings the natural fertility that's the natural part but women go well if a doctor cannot get me pregnant and I wasn't able to do it myself how am I how is this going to happen naturally? Like they feel like it's a miracle when it happens naturally. No, I mean, your body can That's, do this. Yeah, just because so you're not a good. To do. Anyways, I, I just wanted yeah. to beat that point in. If you're listening and you feel like, oh, you know, I had a woman go. They told me I looked menopausal. She's 46. She just had a baby uh, five months ago. It's like, you know, if she had just listened to the IVF doctors, because a lot of people do and then they feel deflated and they think game right. over. But also another thing about stress and, and I have to ask this, but I, I, I've always been surprised with myself cause I feel like I'm sort of in touch and yet I get really out of touch. I'll be like, I'm not even stressed though. I've developed this eye twitch that won't go right. away, you know, where you're like, <laughs> really, I don't feel stressed. And I'm then one day you maybe you start up. crying and you're like, yeah. well, maybe I have some stress going on. Like are people really pretty out of touch? Stress tolerance is what I think, you know, uh-huh. all that. Yeah. Right? We've become so accustomed to our um, reactions to stress that we don't even think that's because of stress anymore, right? Our uh-huh. eye twitching, our insomnia, um, our digestive issues, uh, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's just, I, I don't feel stressed. I'm fine. Yeah. Where, What's, where's this from? Because, you know, we're, we're so used to feeling amped up and running at 100 miles a minute mm-hmm. that that's now become the norm. So it's no longer that stressful. It's just that that's just what normal is, but it's not, that's not normal. Yeah. Right. And so I do think that that's something that needs to be uh, evaluated. I'm glad you brought that up. It's an excellent point. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I had another thing to bring up and I, 
I forgot. So let's go on to, is there another uh, portion of, of the fertility of wheel? The wheel? And then we're, yeah. we're almost out of time. This has been cool though. <laughs> We've covered a lot of the, Well, what the I topics. can say is I, I'm going to, I'm going to mention the other categories. And then if you want to pick one or two sure. that you want to highlight, then we can do it. So uh, we've talked about digestion, sleep, diet, stress. The other areas are exercise, hormones, environment, uh, mind, body, uh, structural, autoimmune issues, inflammation, toxins. So those are the other areas of the wheel. Wow. Yeah. It's a full wheel. It's a lot. Well, um, <laughs> mm, well, I love the. I love the topic of, of toxins because we're surrounded by toxins. And so what, what does it mean to detox in a toxic world and, yeah. and preparing your body for fertility? Yeah. So I think this, this category of toxins, we can actually cover too, because when I, when I use the term environment, I'm talking about environmental toxins. And the other one is, is um, toxins uh, that we either put into our body that are chemical. Mm -hmm. So, these are two different things. And so toxins absolutely impact our overall health and are one of the main, one of the main systems, excuse me, that it impacts is our endocrine system. It affects our hormones dramatically. So toxins come in a lot of different forms. We know uh, now through a lot of research, they come in plastics, right? And even though everyone says, well, now they've gotten BPA free, everything. Well, mm. what have they replaced it with? Just kind mm. of like the whole gluten-free thing, right? So what have they replaced that specific uh, plastic with or that chemical in the plastic with? These are all things that are, are potentially impacting our overall health and our endocrine system. But also, you know, have you been on birth control pills and for how long? That's a toxin. Mm -hmm. Have you been on repeated use of antibiotics or medication? It's, it's a toxin. Um, what else have you been exposed to? Do you, does your work uh, that, you, that you do are you exposed to certain chemicals in that work that cause issues? I've seen that with patients. Yeah. Frequently. Um, the food that we eat, are there chemicals and toxins in the food that you're eating? Like we could have, you, we could have spoken about this in diet, right? Mm -hmm. But are there hormones, antibiotics, pesticides? And if you don't think there's pesticides in your food, you're wrong. Um, you know, there's all of these things are impacting our overall health and we know it through research. It's dramatic. We know it. So um, cleaning up toxins can sound daunting, whether they're in your house, in your car, in the world around you, what you breathe in, what you eat, what you touch, what you're exposed to. These are all things that it sounds daunting, mm -hmm. but it's absolutely doable as long as you start with one thing at a time. Right, because you can't do it all. I mean, you can, but it, it's difficult. So, um, also, what you put on your skin, makeup, uh, skincare—all these things are all uh, toxins that impact our endocrine system, our hormones, and most, most specifically, the one I see the most is estrogen. Mm -hmm, absolutely, and and like cosmetics are tricky because um, it's that whole greenwashing movement. You talked about BPA, no BPA, right. and let's just put these other plasticizers in there. But also co with cosmetics, a lot of things are called natural, or or there's like a line. Well, I don't want to get sued, so I won't. But they they do some funny play on the word organic. But if you actually look at the ingredients, so yeah. I think then you have to like, isn't there like a EWG is EWG a website where you can like yeah. check chemicals and Absolutely. you have to and be a really savvy useful. consumer because it's yeah. tricky out there. And we have to remember, we live in a world of, of tons of marketing. And so marketing, yeah. marketing covers up a lot of junk. And so 
people can use the word natural if it just has one thing, you know, there's certain classifications that allows them to use certain words, mm-hmm. but as long as they fill that need, mm-hmm. they can still put other junk in it, right? So it doesn't mean that it's healthy. Um, yeah, I always joke like arsenic's natural, but it will kill you in high doses, right? right. So like, you know, you, we don't want to expose ourselves to that. Um, so those are things that you have to be aware of for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I guess you have to be an ingredient reader. And, yeah. and there's a lot of things uh, that you won't know what the heck that ingredient is. And, and maybe that's the first clue that you need to eliminate it. I think cleaning products, those are crazy. Oh, yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. F- look up just like healthy do-it-yourself cleaning products and you'll be... You'll, oh you'll, my gosh. You'll be amazed at what, you know, white vinegar can do for you. You can, you can make anything. I know there's a, um, there's a popular, like, you know, those powder cleaners. I looked it up. It said it has um, 145 different chemicals in it. And like, it's powdery. So it just kind of poofs up into the air. We all grew up sort of using it too. It's really, you know, a very common one. I'm like, geez. but. Hey, I love this conversation. Can you tell us how to find you again? Yeah. So if you want to uh, read more about what I, uh, what I talk about when it comes to fertility, um, then you could just go to my website, marksklar.com. Um, and, um, you know, this wheel, uh, I talk about that uh, quite a bit. Um, you can also follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook. And then obviously, as you mentioned, when we started my YouTube channel, um, where uh, I typically and, and try hard to and usually accomplish it about putting out a new video once a week. That's a big, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're short, which is fine. Yeah, exactly. Hey, thanks so much, Mark. And um, great interview. And I'll reach out to you in a few weeks when um, this goes live. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fertility Hour. For being one of our loyal listeners, we would like to give you free access to a special report called Restore Your Fertility Naturally. Inside, you'll learn about an eight-step, all-natural process that's helped hundreds of couples conceive. This is one of our most popular reports, and you can get free access by going to fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Again, that's fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Go there now, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Fertility Hour.